0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at BYTE.com. That's B Y T E.com. Start your confidence journey today with BYTE.
1: This episode of The Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by the Spotify Green Room. Guys, the Spotify Green Room is a live, audio-only sports talk platform. Talk to me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time. Get in on the conversation that you listen to here every single day and have a chance to be featured on your favorite podcast like this one. Download the Spotify Green Room app free in the iOS App Store, create a profile, link your Twitter, and join my group. Follow me at LarryDEE. Uh, I don't know why they didn't let me use D, period, but they didn't. So follow me at Larry D E E to be notified when my room goes live every Wednesday, 7 o'clock central, 8 o'clock Eastern. And join me when we go live every Wednesday night at Club 347. <laughs> What's up, guys? Here to put a bow on the 2021 regular season. Uh reviewing this uh this meaningless football game between the Bears and the Vikings that of course took place in Minnesota because it's January. Why wouldn't you want to be in Minnesota in January? And, uh, you know, the, the annual trip, the bears make up there for the last home game for the Vikings, which, uh, for six out of the last seven years has also been the season finale. So we'll see what, uh, what creativeness the NFL throws together for us in 2022. But for now, (laughs) we'll just keep planning on heading out to Minneapolis in January, uh, for now. But, um, You know, things started out pretty good uh, for the Bears, but the same old problems reared their ugly head as far as not being able to close the deal in the red zone, settling for field goals, or actually walking away with nothing at all, which was what killed us in the first matchup uh, with the Vikings and leaving ourselves open to, um, you know, uh, for our opponent to make an easy uh, comeback. And, you know, because uh, two touchdowns, or one touchdown is better than two field goals and and things like that. So uh, catching up to us and or passing us wouldn't be that difficult when our offense just can't seem to get it going. So uh, the season ends just as it started uh, with a loss uh, on the road, and now we finally get to move forward because, of course, it was announced earlier this morning that um, you know, Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace uh, have both been relieved of their duties. So the head coaching search, the general manager search, is on in Hallis Hall to see who will lead the Bears uh, going forward. Uh, I'm not going to get into the press conference with George McCaskey, at least not on this episode. Uh, we're going to have Lauren Cox back on the show on Thursday to kind of do a, uh, the year-in-review thing. We'll, we'll mostly recap the second half uh, of the season, um, and I'm sure we'll probably start with the press conference, because just when you thought this year's press conference, no way it can be worse than last year's last year's was an absolute embarrassment. Good old Georgie McCaskey says, hold my beer. And, uh, it was was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. Oh man. But, uh, like I said, I'm going to save that for when we have Lauren on, because I was watching the press conference live and, um, I about sprained my thumbs tweeting out what, what uh what what Georgie was talking about and, and I even, I even texted Lauren directly like, Can you believe this? And yeah, I'm gonna stop because I'm already talking about it. So like I said, we're gonna save that for when Lauren and I get together. Uh that will show that Joe will drop on Thursday. We'll do the year in review and uh we'll probably have him back on again um if and when well not if, but when the Bears make their GM and their head coach uh, decisions to kind of uh, look forward. Probably be, we'll probably call that the first episode of 2022. How about that? Because right now we're still dealing with the 2021 season with the recaps and all that kind of stuff. This one's kind of a uh, super episode because I didn't do the Bear Up Bear Down show uh, last night. Um, I, as you guys know, I was I was not able to go home for the Christmas holiday, so I went home for New Year's. Ended up staying the uh, the week. Uh, at my dad's house and and everything, and came back home uh, after the Bear game on Sunday. And by the time I got home on Sunday, it was close to 10 o'clock. And by the time I reassembled my podcast station, put my work from home station together uh, again, I sat down and watched the end of the Sunday night game, which was outstanding. But by the time that was over, I was all settled. I was exhausted. It had been a long day. I just wanted to go to bed. And I thought that I would get up early on Monday and do it like I've done Many times during the regular season, but, um, I slept straight through to my alarm. And, uh, when I got up, it was time for work. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go old school on this one and bear up, bear down will be the final segment of the show, just like it used to be, uh, back in the day. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to do a regular pre or review episode. And at the end we'll slap on bear up, bear down as a, uh, putting a bow, uh, on this game on this week, on this season, uh, in 2021. So here we go. This is the deep dive review episode for week number eighteen on the Bears Talk Underground. So let's get to it. Going into know. the week, uh, we thought this uh, the, the the one thing that we could look forward to—win, loser draw—in this ball game was the return of Justin Fields. He had been out the last couple of weeks with an ankle injury. He was cleared to start practicing. He practiced in full on Wednesday. And then the news comes out on Thursday. He's on the COVID list. Well, as a vaccinated player, he had, there was an outside chance that he would be able to clear protocols and play on Sunday. So we were holding out hopes and crossing our fingers and toes and everything else that that would happen. And then it was announced on Friday, Andy Dalton was the starter. God only knows why, but he was named the starter and Justin Fields was basically shut down uh, for the rest of the season. So, yeah, not a great rookie campaign, but there's, the rookie made his rookie mistakes, but they weren't like, they weren't habits. You know, they weren't, it wasn't something that he was doing over and over again. The one thing that he did over and over again that I didn't like was that he held on to the ball too long. Uh, at times. And I'm sure that that's something our next coaching, uh, staff will, uh, will look to take care of, you know, get rid of the football, make quicker decisions, that kind of thing. Cause he had a, uh, you know, an hour to throw the football at Ohio state with that offensive line that he played behind, uh, you know, he could sit there and slowly read through his progressions and find the right receiver and, and make those deadly accurate throws that we saw from time to time. Uh, in Chicago. I mean, but it him and Mitch, it's night and day as far as accuracy uh, goes. And uh, a lot of people started writing off this year for Justin from his very first start against the Browns. You know, nine sacks, no help, uh, and all that kind of stuff. It, it was... So, I mean, the evaluation of Justin Fields and his rookie season, the true evaluation of him as an NFL quarterback really won't start until next year when he's under a different coaching staff Uh, when he's away from Matt Nagy, and he's now officially away from Matt Nagy. So now it's just a matter of who they bring in. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip.
0: Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel... The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your
1: favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. To uh, go forward uh, with with Justin Fields and, and find out how we develop and make him into the superstar that we drafted him to be, so... I look forward to that. Uh, there have been, you know, yesterday the the during the press conference, it was announced that the Bears had requested to talk to Leslie Frazier, a former 85 Bear, also a former head coach. He coached the Vikings uh, for a few years. He's been uh, an outstanding defensive coordinator for Buffalo the last few years. And then, um, you know, other names have uh, been rumored and uh, whatnot. Nathaniel Hackett, the uh, OC for the Packers, Uh, Todd Bowles, Byron Lefwich, and so on uh, and so forth. The only name I've heard it for GM right now is um, Chris Ballard's right-hand man in Indianapolis. Morocco Brown is the only person I've heard uh, talked about so far. So we'll see what this next regime uh, looks like. But (sighs) thanks to COVID, Justin Fields did not play on Sunday. So there wasn't a whole lot to look forward to going into it because it was going to be Andy Dalton. And again, nothing against Andy Dalton. Just upset that it's not Justin Fields. Really wanted to see him play one more time uh, before closing the book on this uh, season. Um, But after the way the the game went, kind of happy we didn't have to see that. Because it was bad. Didn't really start out that way. It was good to me. It was mediocre to good in the first half. Uh, of the game and then the second half the wheels came off uh well actually they kind of held off the the wheels were wobbly in the third quarter and then they just shot right the hell off um in the fourth quarter and that's where all the fun took place if you're a vikings fan so um anyway it, it was um it wasn't a game that i was really looking forward to uh, i was only looking forward to so we could get through it to get to today to get to monday to when we would find out, you know, we, we we I mean, Nagy was the foregone conclusion, but really the, the real question is what's going to happen with Ryan Pace? Are they going to pull the trigger on that? Is he going to just be promoted to, uh, you know, VP of football operations or are we going to wipe the slate clean and start over with a new GM and a new head coach? And then more importantly, who's going to be making that decision and how is the process going to be done? We found that all out yesterday on – or, excuse me, today on Monday. And um, we'll talk about that on Thursday with Lauren. But, you know, it it was just – because going in, the major questions were, you know, about Justin Fields. Will he start? Will he play? And, unfortunately, the answer for that was no. And then it was, is Nagy going to try to win the game or – Is he going to try to give us our cake and eat it too kind of thing and start Tevin Jenkins, start Thomas Graham and uh, and those kinds of players. You know, we'll see more reps out of Kyrus Tonga, you know, and things like that to find out what we have in the bag for 2022. And the answer was no. Jason Peters started. Play deep into the third quarter before Tevin Jenkins came out. I don't know how how early it was before we saw Thomas Graham, but I'm you know watching the Vikings on offense in the first quarter, and that's Artie Burns trying to cover Justin Jefferson, which makes no sense because Thomas Graham for what's for one reason or another dominated Justin Jefferson the first time around, but we wouldn't want to take advantage of that matchup again. Why would we want to do that? So. Uh, right off the bat, it's, you know, frustrating to, to see like, oh, God, I love, you know, and you guys know, I love Jason Peters. I am forever grateful for what we got from him because it was way more than I think any of us were expecting. You know, he wasn't playing at a Pro Bowl level or anything like that, but based on the guy that couldn't keep himself on the field in Philadelphia the last few years, for him to only miss like three games this year was outstanding. For a 39-year-old left tackle playing in his 18th season who literally didn't play a down of football and, or didn't, you know, no offseason, no nothing, was called off of his, you know, off his fishing boat back in August for him to just pop in, start week one against the Rams and then, you know, be the, be the, the solid left tackle that he was for us. Absolutely amazing. I mean, right now, in my opinion... He's leader in the clubhouse for most – you know, he's up there. It's like him and Robert Quinn for most valuable bear uh, for 2021 when we do the when do the wrap-up uh, with Lauren. It's like I just – who is more important to the team than, than Jason Peters? Can you imagine what we would have looked like had he not been out there? It's scary to even think about. But week 18, we're a 6-10 and 10 team. The season is over. He's not going – he's not in our future plans if he is – The next GM needs to be shot. Like, what the hell with it? We already know we're screwed with this guy if his idea of the left tackle position is bringing back Jason Peters. Um, Tevin Jenkins should have been out there, should have played every snap in that game against the Vikings. Instead, it was like five minutes left in the third quarter before we saw him. So we come out in the first quarter, move the ball very, very well, opening drive, take it right down the field, but then, per the usual, Once we get ourselves into the red zone, the same old problems start popping back up. (laughs) New jerk reaction. First quarter, Bears and Vikings and each offense showing an inability to be consistent uh, in this quarter. Both of them actually having pretty decent success moving the football down the field, but both of them entering the problem area of the red zone. The Bears did so on their first drive. Got the ball all the way down to the 26-yard line. Chunk play after chunk play. Just like easily getting down there. And then, of course, our creative juices dried up, I guess. Son. We had to settle for a field goal from Cairo Santos. And uh, apparently so far in the first quarter, it's the Angelo Blackson game on defense. He's got either one and a half or two sacks, depending on who you're talking to uh, so far. And uh, the Vikings have been turned away. Uh, with zero points so far in the first quarter. So Dalvin Cook's getting a few yards here and there. They're moving the ball from time to time, but overall, you know, the offense just can't get it done. That's why they got a big goose egg on the scoreboard right now. Uh, the Bears have the ball going into the second quarter. I think we're still in Minnesota territory, 3 nothing lead. See where we go from here. So not the most eventful of uh, first quarters, but both teams able to – Fairly easily move the ball down the field, but running into issues in the red zone uh, is pretty much the theme of the year uh, for the Bears. You know, from twenty to twenty, not bad, but getting into the red zone all of a sudden, you know, like I said, in the knee jerk reaction, our creative juices dried up? Uh, you know, the just the play calling. Uh, just not very good. We have too many you know, receivers in the same area, so it's all congested so nobody can get open. Uh, the decisions that we make to not run the football in that area have been disgusting uh, at times and continued into the... Why would this game be any different? So, um, you know, the same old problems were, were rearing their ugly head uh, again. And, and on defense, again, against the Vikings, we're getting a victory-worthy performance out of the defense, just like we did... On Monday Night Football a few weeks ago, we only gave up 17 points, and the touchdowns that we gave up were on short fields after turnovers. From the, So the offense was killing us uh, last time. And, you know, like I said, Angelo Blackson, who, you know, I was like, I know I made fun of his signing because I'd never heard of him before. That was our big signing on, on free agent day number one uh, during the offseason. I was like, who the hell is Angelo Blackson? He's been a hell of a player for us uh, this year and had a really strong finish uh to the season looked really good last week against the um against the Giants and and uh, you know had us a, a sack or a sack and a half here let me pull up the um the stats real quick to see what he officially uh ended up with Angelo Blackson just the one so i guess they didn't give him a give him or maybe they gave him two halves of a sack cuz they only officially have him down for one sack so go figure um, so I guess maybe they gave him two halves of a sack on, on the two that he, that he got, but, um, that, that, happened to Robert Quinn as well. Robert Quinn had probably one of the most amazing sacks. Uh, you know, it was to, to cap off the year, Robert, and it happened to f- quite a few times. Uh, if, if it was saw that he was playing against, I never really bothered to look, uh, the rookie left tackle for the Vikings. I, I believe that's who he was up against, uh, this week. Basically what he would do anytime that Robert Quinn would do that unbelievable body bend that he does to get around tackles, Derisaw would just fall on top of him. That happened over and over again, that he literally beat the rookie and the rookie would just just lay down on top of him if he ever got the edge to go back around him. Well, he did it one time, uh, I believe it was in the th- third quarter or the fourth quarter, where he he tries to do the landing on top of thing top of thing with uh, with Quinn and on this particular one the pocket was collapsing around Cousins to the point where he basically backed his way into Robert Quinn who just wrapped up his legs and they ended up giving I think half a sack to Bilal Nichols on that one because Bilal Quinn had the bottom half Bilal Nichols took out the top half and that's how your your sack took place. And they only end up giving Robert Quinn a half a sack. So he finishes with 18 and a half instead of giving him 19, uh, giving him the whole sack, which would have given him 19. So, uh, But it was funny watching uh, him going up against, I believe it was Darisaw that started left tackle for the uh, Vikings. Whenever he did that bend to get underneath him, he would just it would just fall on top of him. I watched it happen at least half a dozen times, including when Quinn finally got the sack uh, later on in the ballgame. But um, you know, in the first quarter there, uh, the the offense, like I said, moving the ball down the field, chunk plays, uh, you know, nice throw to Darnell Mooney, uh, and and you know, getting David Montgomery involved in the running game and uh, and everything. But we get down to the you know inside the thirty yard line, and you know, it just it just never works out. It's like I don't know how we can look like a very efficient top level offense from the 20 to the 20 but when we get down inside that red zone all of a sudden everything that we did to get to that point has been thrown out are we looking for down our mooney across the middle like we were to get down there no no we're not doing the net are we putting jimmy graham out there to use his six foot seven frame to win some jump balls in the end zone no are we running the football with david montgomery nope so we're what's left at that point you know, oh, we're going to throw into traffic because somehow our, our, our play call has three receivers in the same area, so none of them is open no matter what they do. And then we're going to throw the ball there in that general direction. One of them will come down with it. Right. Okay, sure. So that happened over and over today or uh, Sunday. And, uh, you know, the results are what you would expect them to be. They've been what they've been all season long. We either had to settle for a field goal, or we walked away with nothing. And um, walking away with nothing actually is so much worse, and it became a much bigger habit of the offense (laughs) to walk away with nothing, especially in these last few weeks, because, you know, Nagy's in in screw-it mode, and he's like, to hell with it. Let's just go for it. Why not? What have I got to lose? What are they going to do, fire me? So, oh, yeah. We just kept walking away with uh, little to nothing instead of getting the big prize. But in the second quarter... We settle for another field goal. We were able to finally score in the second in the in the second quarter. We put one in the end zone. Uh, a nice throw from from Dalton to uh, Damian Williams, like a well-designed one of those wheel routes out of the backfield. Really good looking throw. Really good looking uh, play actually. He was wide open uh, for the touchdown. And the reason I'm telling you that now is because I was far more concerned with something else in the knee jerk reaction uh, than I was with the Bears um scoring that touchdown I mean it was nice that we did but I had a far more important thing that uh, we've seen this is a pattern with this team we've seen it happen over and over again and it was a fear that uh, was was rearing up as uh, the second quarter came to a close yeah. knee jerk reaction second quarter Bears and Vikings and uh, the Bears were able to avoid some bit of a disaster here at the end of the first half Um up before this, the Bears scored a touchdown to, to uh, take a fourteen to nothing lead. Uh, got it, you know, kicked the field goal earlier to make it six nothing. Scored a touchdown later on and went for two. Got it. We're up fourteen nothing. Up to that point, the Vikings had two first downs. They had like maybe twenty two yards of total offense. And a few plays later, the Vikings ripped off sixty five yards of offense. And three plays later, their deep end. Chicago territory threatening to score and they get the ball back to start the second half. Thankfully the Vikings realized that they suck and they went ahead and played terribly and had to settle for a field goal to make it 14 to 3, but it's just one of those things that, that you worry about when the offense can't finish drives, has to settle for field goals is that your lead can be erased so quickly by one big play and the Vikings were in were in good position to do that, score before the half and then get the ball back to start the second half it would have been could have been easily 14 14 right at the start of the second half and then all the defense's good work goes to waste but thankfully we're able to avoid that it's 14 to 3 minnesota starts with the ball and hopefully the bears can maintain yep. so like i said i was far more concerned with what could happen than what actually did happen in the second quarter because we've read this chapter of the book before where the offense can't put the ball in the end zone we're settling for field goals and the defense is playing well they're they're you know keeping the offense uh you know they're keeping the offense's lead that tiny minuscule lead that we have but like i said when you're settling for field goals you have to score twice for every touchdown that they have and even that's not enough uh, you know mathematically anyway but settling for those two field goals instead of going for touchdowns you know, instead of having a twenty-one to three lead at halftime, it was only fourteen to to fourteen to three. And uh, like I said, we avoided disaster because they looked like they were going to score. And before that drive, like I said, twenty-two yards of total offense, two first downs. The defense was putting in work in the first half. They'd already sacked Cousins a couple of times, uh, you know, maybe three times or so. Uh, just and constantly in his face, he it was it was Monday Night Football all over again. They could not get anything going in the passing game. Dalvin Cook wasn't doing anything ridiculous uh, on the ground or anything like that. We were getting the Vikings off the field, giving the ball back to the offense, and what were they doing for it? They were marching the ball down the field and then settling for a field goal in the in the most important moments. So there we were at the end of the half. Having finally scored a touchdown, we're up 14 to nothing. And then the Vikings all of a sudden discovered their offense or the bears, uh, you know, Sean Desai sits there and, Oh yeah, we're just going to sit back in, in coverage and keep everything in front of us and, and deny and give them what we've been denying them the entire first half. We weren't, we gave 22 yards in the first, you know, quarter and three quarters. And then there right at the very end, all of a sudden we go soft. And the Vikings moved the foot, marched the ball right down the field and were in danger of making it a 14-7 to 7 game. And, you know, my fear was like, of course, will the Vikings start with the ball? They would have momentum going into halftime. What's to stop them from marching right back down the field, scoring another touchdown? And just like that, it didn't matter that the Bears held the Vikings to 22 yards total offense uh, going into the two-minute warning of the first half because the Vikings just erased all of that in the last two drives. And I was like, that's, that's what's going to happen here. But thankfully we were able to hold it, hold it in. or we're able to maintain and force the field goal attempt to make it 14 to three, right at the final gun uh, of the first half. And, but, (laughs) but my worst fears come true because as you hear me talk about here in the third quarter, knee jerk reaction, what, ha- what I was afraid would happen if the Vikings had scored a touchdown happened in the third quarter. They marched right down the field with the first drive of the second half and scored a touchdown. So I was right. It would have been 14-14 to 14 just like that. And all the defense's good work gone to waste. Never mind that we completely dominated the first half of the football game. Now all of a sudden it's a football game when it shouldn't be. <coughs> Knee jerk reaction, third quarter, Bears and Vikings, and it turned out to be very fortuitous for the Bears that they were able to get the Vikings or only allow a field goal at the end of the half. Because my greatest fear, like, had the Vikings scored a touchdown, they took the opening kickoff back or drove it down the field for a touchdown. Uh, what would have been fourteen to fourteen would only was end up being fourteen to ten. You know, and then the Bears with their same old problems uh, in the red zone. We just can't get it done. We we had a turnover and downs on one drive. Got the ball back, went right back down the field. Uh, we thought we had a touchdown run from uh, from Dalton, but uh, turns out his knee was down at the one yard line. <laughs> Actually, that was the that was the play where we uh we got we got sacked on fourth down. But anyway, we ended up settling for a field goal on the following drive after that. So. Uh, it's 17 to 10 right now, and Minnesota has the football. They are trying to move it down the field, but like I said, the defense for the most part has played outstanding today. But because the offense can't, you know, finish the deal inside the red zone, this game is far closer than it should be right now. We should be talking about coasting to a victory here in the fourth quarter because we're up two or three scores, or or what have you. Instead, it's a one-score game, and Minnesota has life on offense. So. It's far more interesting than it should be. Let's see how it finishes out. So, I mean, it's that drive where, with, with Andy Dalton and, uh, you know, the, the touchdown that, that wasn't kind of thing. That was our response to Minnesota's touchdown. They come out, they score a touchdown, start things right off the bat. I think, what does it say? Six, six plays? Six plays, 75 yards. So, bang, 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 right down the, right down the field. You know, uh, four yard run from Dalvin Cook, twenty five yard run from Dalvin Cook, uh, you know, and then a, it's a forty four yard touchdown pass. So it was just a big play that that got us. They caught us with our pants down on that, on that one touchdown, and then we we come back, ten plays, fifty nine yards, and get it all the way down to the one yard line. Dalton's uh, touchdown run was on third and eight. He goes scrambling. It's like. Um, so to get rid of the ball. Throw the wall Throw it away, Andy. Something you know, or whatever. He takes off running. Okay, fine. Ends up scoring, but like, hey, nice job. You know, hell of an effort. Turns out his knees were down before he got into the end zone. So it's fourth and goal from the one, or fourth and one from the one, whatever you want to call it. And do we do we get on? Do we get David Montgomery in the game? Do we you know have Kyris Tonga? Come back out like we did against the Giants and uh, have him, you know, plow through a hole at the line, at the goal line and and have David Montgomery moonwalk his way through it. Nah, what do we do? We throw the ball. We throw the ball on fourth and one from the one, and Dalton gets sacked for a fifteen yard loss. Turnover on downs when we were literally at the goal line. Here we are, fourth and one from the one. Let's throw the ball. Let's let's have uh let's do five wide and uh we'll throw the ball. We won't even have David Montgomery on the field. I Yeah, let's do that. That's the plan. Here we go. This is Matt Nagy going out his way. That's all it was. That is all it was. Matt Nagy going out on his own terms. There is no way that it was anything else. Because you just you... So it just uh <sighs> yeah. So after that we we forced the Vikings three and out on the following drive and then came back with the with the field goal, another nine plays, 34 yards, but had to settle for a field goal from the 24. So we got it all the way down to the 24-yard line and uh, you know, nothing once again. Down to the 24. Third and six, we're throwing. We're trying to throw a pass, incomplete to to Mooney. I believe was in the end zone, but still, incomplete. Settle for the field goal, and now it's seventeen to ten, and that's where we sat at the end of the uh, at the end of the third quarter. Seventeen to ten, and the opening drive of the fourth quarter for the Vikings. Kirk Cousins to Justin Jefferson. And that one made me want to break my father's television because Justin Jefferson had been a non-factor in the football game up to that point. Um, Akib Talib and Gus Johnson kept talking about how, uh, you know, Justin Jefferson, you know, like vowed on Twitter to break Andy, uh, Randy Moss's, uh single-season uh, receiving record. And, but he needed like 130-something yards to do it. And going into the half, I think he had like nine yards or something like that. He had nothing. And then here at the start of the fourth quarter, Kirk Cousins heaves one up into the end zone. Eddie Jackson on the coverage, not I don't know what the hell he was doing, but the, the the moment that he chose chooses to turn around and look for the ball is when Justin Jefferson backs away and then catches the ball like it was nothing. Eddie Jackson just standing there looking at him when he catches the ball. I don't, I don't know what to do with that. I honestly don't. But Eddie Jackson was there. I mean, it's just, even if it ends up being pass interference, you got to do something. But he just stood there. And Justin Jefferson just casually catches the football like it's no big deal. And now it's a tie ball game. So erase everything that we did. You know, we've had two other, you know, a red zone area trips one literally at the goal line. We came away with nothing. The next trip, we can make it all the way to the twenty four, settle for a field goal. So three red trip, three you know red zone area trips so far, three field goals or two field goals and a turnover on down. So that when 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 Minnesota scores that touchdown, it's a tie ball game now, a game that we've dominated this entire time. The defense, a victory-worthy performance in the finale of this long and painful season. And just like that, it's a tie ball game in the fourth quarter. Now the crowd is into it. Now the Vikings have momentum. We couldn't have looked worse in coverage on that throw, on that play, and... (laughs) It just... You know, it was just like, well, that's just great. That's just great. You know, (laughs) and it makes sense. Why wouldn't uh, the defense eventually let us down? We get the ball back and we end up punting it away. Five plays go nowhere for the Bears. We give the ball back to Minnesota. And it takes them all of six plays to go 87 yards and take the lead um yeah let me see if i can run down here uh dalvin cook uh, run for six yards uh 26 yard play to um justin jefferson surprise surprise five yard run for their uh guard for their guard madison it says madison right guard so through the right guard uh, and then finally on first and 10 from the 21, oh, excuse me, I missed the play. Dalvin Cook, 29-yard run. Then the following play, uh, K.J. Osborne wide open in the end zone for a touchdown to make it 24-17. to 17. Now we're losing the game. Then the Bears get the ball back in the fourth quarter. Uh, you know, we're, we're kind of moving it down the field, uh, seven plays. And then on, here we are on fourth and one again. Do we run the football? Do we do we pull David Montgomery uh, into the backfield and, you know, give him a tight end or something? Do we run the ball on fourth and one? No. No. We pass it again. Uh, the offensive line, which was awful for the majority of the football game. Poor Larry Borum did not have his best performance to finish off the season because uh, – he was getting his ass kicked there, there at right tackle. But do we help him? Any chips? You know, anything like that? No. Nah, he's fine. That's This is what the offense requires. So why would we adjust our offense for someone who's struggling? Just play better, you know, because it's that easy. So Andy Dalton gets hit as he throws, and uh, it gets picked off by Patrick Peterson, which we find out later. That was Peterson's first and only interception of the season. Patrick Peterson, who's been an all-pro his entire career for Arizona, signs a free agent deal with the Vikings. I don't know if Patrick Peterson's a Hall of Famer, but he's definitely one of the better corners that we've had in this era. But uh, he then in turn runs it back 66 yards for a touchdown, which uh, gives us our final score, 31-17. to And uh, the effort given... From our guys on that return, like, I don't know what happened, okay? Either everyone was standing around not giving a shit, or they didn't realize, or they somehow thought the play was dead, because everyone was literally standing around. Like, Andy Dalton made zero effort to make a tackle on the play. None. Did not move an inch as he watched Patrick Peterson run away. Uh, with the football didn't move none whatsoever just kind of stood there and watched you know and like I said they either didn't care and it just thrown in the towel to hell with it you know kind of thing or they didn't realize the play was still live for some reason I mean it wasn't like one of those things where you didn't realize that he caught the ball or Uh, People thought maybe it was incomplete, and he's running it out anyway kind of thing, and the referees are just letting it go. We'll replay it afterward. There was no doubt. Peterson picked off the ball, and it just, he runs it back, no effort, no fight, no nothing uh, from our guys, 66 yards, so it's not like he ran it in from 10 yards out. He had to literally go three quarters of the field to get there, and he did so very easily with nobody chasing him, basically. It was uh, it was appropriate. You know, from what we've seen from this team this season, for them to go out that way, it was appropriate. And in the final knee-jerk reaction for 2021, um, you know, we talk about that, talk about how the Vikings come back, and then the end, the last thing that I say, and the final knee-jerk reaction of the season, I think, p- sums it up pretty, pretty well. Yeah. Knee-jerk reaction, fourth quarter, Bears and Vikings, and the wheels came off in the fourth quarter. Everything that I was worried about because the Bears wouldn't or wouldn't, couldn't close on those uh, offensive drives, settling for field goals, turnover on downs on fourth and one inside the 10, and things like that came back to bite us in the fourth quarter you know we had a 17 to 10 lead we lose the ball game 31 to 17 uh, the, the Patrick um, Peterson with the cherry on top to make it 31 to 17 a pick six on fourth and one we had three fourth and one situations David Montgomery zero running attempts not one time even at the one yard line uh, at you know the goal line where we're throwing the football on fourth and one from the one when we have David Montgomery on our team, you know. And, you know, last week, Kyrus Tonga, our seventh round rookie defensive tackle, played the fridge and bowled his way through against the Giants last week. Did we call that play this week? Nah. They would have seen that coming. Why would we do something that they know is coming? So, I mean, it's been a pathetic display uh, from the offense today and and tip and almost fitting that this is how the Nagy era ends, you know, because the the game and the season and our offense were typical of the same thing, and that's what plagued us. We couldn't finish, so we got finished. The end. And there you have it. We couldn't finish, so we got finished. It was typical of this football team from pillar to post. We couldn't put the ball in the end zone, We would have to settle for less than we wanted. And then our opponent would go ahead and do what we couldn't do and beat us. We won six games this year. Inexplicably, two of them were against playoff teams. We beat the Bengals and the Raiders, both of which made the playoffs this year. But those are AFC teams. On the NFC side, we beat the Lions twice the Giants, and the Seahawks, all of which are picking in the top 10 of the draft in the first round uh, this year. So not exactly what you would call bell cow wins for the Bears. A sweep of the Lions, which strangely enough, in the division, we're the only ones to sweep them because they lost the finale to, or they beat the Packers in the finale because the Packers were phoning it in. And they beat the Vikings for their first win of the year uh, in week 12, 13, whatever it was. The week after we beat them in Thanksgiving, they come back and and beat the Vikings uh, to finally get their first win. So they split with the Vikings and the Packers. They got swept by us. We were the only team that they beat or that that they uh, didn't uh, split with this year. And they really had a great chance to do that in the Thanksgiving game, but it didn't happen. So, yeah, it's – Pretty amazing, but, um, we just, we couldn't finish. So we got finished, uh, the two decent teams that we beat. It was early in the season. That's week two and week five for our wins over the Bengals and the Raiders. We didn't win a home game for almost three months. You know, that week four victory over the lions. We didn't win a home game again until we beat the giants last week. And, um, you know, it just—it uh, was such a hard season to watch, and it's—I'm so glad that Nagy's gone. You know, it's a very bittersweet thing because I like Nagy. I like him. I like. The, I like him so much. He, I, I really do think that he was the right guy as far as. Being the leader of men, because the way that they responded to him in 2018 was the one thing I don't think any of us were anticipating going into it. How they would respond to him, how they would buy into what he was doing, how quickly it would change the culture from what John Fox was presenting the year before, and we go from six and eleven to twelve and four, win the division, make the playoffs, uh, and turn in like oh, literally overnight, turn Chicago into a destination. We had guys like Haha ha Clinton Dix taking less money to come play with us in twenty nineteen. And I was thinking, well, here we go. This is it's become a destination now. Because, you know, why wouldn't you want to be a part of what's happening in Chicago? And twenty nineteen was an average season at best. Twenty twenty was mediocrity as finest, and we somehow backed our way into the playoffs there. And then twenty twenty one was even worse. And, um, you know, got to give Nagy credit where credit's due. The guys played for him right up until the end. I really do think they finally gave up against the Vikings just because the season's over. There's nothing left to fight for. Uh, I think that interception return from Patrick Peterson was all the evidence you need there. Just go back and watch that play. How many guys are actually trying to tackle Patrick Peterson? Trying to make an effort to, to tackle him on that play. There weren't many, and you watch Andy Dalton just standing there like a goddamn statue while Patrick Peterson runs that bad throw that he made back for a touchdown. So, but it just, somewhere it was lost. Somewhere the, you know, the culture that he built in 2018 couldn't be maintained, or he didn't know how to adjust and, and I think this year was kind of indicative of that as well. He just, Matt Nagy never had a plan B. Like, plan A was to be successful in Chicago. Everything went according to plan uh, in year one until the double doink. Well, he just figured there would be more of that and then some in 2019. So did all of us. I mean, how excited were we all about 2019? Year two in the system. You know, a year or two of all these guys playing together because we had a lot of new guys in the team in 2018, and it worked out so well. They played so well together, and, you know, we're off to the races, 12 wins uh, and everything, 7-1 and at home, uh, the whole nine yards. And then 2019, we're expecting more of the same. And it's just like, you know, Mitch lost his mojo in that Green Bay game, and he never got it back. All of 2019, all of 2020, he just never got it back. He was so confident in 2018, for better or for worse. Even when he missed with some of his throws, it is his an accuracy season, things like that. He was so confident in 2018. That throw that he made to Robinson to get us in field goal range in the Eagles game, absolutely fantastic. Amazing throw. I was so, so I was like, that's my quarterback, you know, kind of thing after that football game. It was like, Mitch, he did it, man. He drove us down the field, got us in field goal range. He gave us a shot. 2019, here we come. You know, and it just didn't happen. It didn't happen. And, you know, like I said, Nagy never had a plan B because we were supposed to hit the ground running in 2019. And instead, the ground hit us and we never really recovered from it. Four game losing streak in 2019, six game losing streak in 2020, five game losing streak this year. So, you know, couldn't do anything coming out of a bye in any of the seasons, not even 2018. And, um, you know, he never had a plan B. If it didn't go according to plan, Nagy, Nagy was lost. So the same thing with with Andy Dalton and committing to him being the starter and not even entertaining the idea of plan B being that Andy Dalton could get hurt so we should get our quarterback our backup quarterback, who should be starting anyway, Justin Fields, get him ready to play if anything happens. He didn't prepare for that at all. Justin wasn't taking starter reps in practice. He didn't take any starter reps in all of training camp. Outplayed Andy Dalton. But also, as I said back then, we did not set up Andy Dalton to succeed at all in the preseason. We put him out there with a bunch of guys who weren't going to uh, be playing with us during the regular season. None of the starters really played except for Dalton in the preseason. Dalton looked terrible in the preseason. And then Justin Fields would go out there and perform magic. And, of course, Chicago's like, screw Andy Dalton. Start Justin Fields, you know. What the hell are we doing? And just from the beginning, it was a disaster. Never mind the QB1 tweet during free agency. Never mind that. That was its own blunder. But, you know, like I said, it's a bittersweet thing. I really thought we had a guy in Nagy. But the whole not letting go of play calling and and the decisions that he made, his usage of of personnel uh, and everything, especially these last two years, just really just blow your mind, like, why we keep doing this uh, kind of thing. And, um, you know, like I said, uh, Olin Cruz really just kind of drove it home for me last year when we lost that game to the lions, that was our sixth loss in a row. The whole thing with, with Mitch dropping back on third and long, deep in our own territory, he gets strip sacked and, and the lions take that to score the game winning touchdown and and everything. And, 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 Crude said in the after show, I was watching the post game. He's like, I don't think Matt Nagy is so interested in winning so much as he is in winning his way. And nothing else about Matt Nagy made more sense after Olin Crude said that it all kept coming back to that. Nagy wants to win his way. So never mind the fact that everybody from Olin Crude's to the beat writers to the talking heads on ESPN and the NFL network, all the way down to me, the fat guy on the couch, all in agreement. We need to be running the football more. We need to be making Montgomery the center of our offense and use that to kind of incorporate everybody else. It's so obvious to so many people, and Nagy appeared to be oblivious to it. Well, it turns out he wasn't oblivious to it. He just didn't care because he had a plan. He knew his offense, and he knew what it was going to take to make it work. But instead... We're just going to go ahead and go my way, and it will work. Period. Never mind that when we try other things and that works better, we just don't do that again, because we're going to go back to my way. Because if you guys can do this, then you should be able to do my thing. And it never worked. So, like I said, I'm 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 I'm, ups- I'm sad, obviously, that that it didn't work out with Nagy. Um, you know, I'm. Uh, I, I, I wish him well going forward. I really do. Um, if if nothing else, man, it wasn't boring. It wasn't boring. That's for sure. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't boring. It was fun. It was exciting. It was frustrating. It was mind-numbingly, uh, you know, anger-inducing and whatnot, but it wasn't boring. So this podcast with him as the head coach has been interesting, to say the least. So, you know, but um, the bittersweet thing is um, we got what we wanted. We're getting our regime changed, new GM, new head coach. But the bitter part is we need a GM and a new head coach to, to to move forward. And even then there's no guarantees. So we're getting our fresh start. But, you know, none of us have a crystal ball. We don't know what the future holds, so we don't know what to expect. We, 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 we expect to slash hope that it will be better. But will it? History says no. And after those idiots in Hallis Hall today basically said they're going to run it back using the same process as before with the same people making the decision, I'm not that confident we're going to get it right. We have the chance to get it right. But will we get it right? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe the new guy will come in and we'll be like Nagy. We'll have success right off the bat. But will we be able to put long-term success together? That's the real question. Because winning here and there, the Bears do that. Every once in a while, we put a season together, we go to the playoffs. Every once in a while. Not as often as any of us would like. And not like Green Bay or, or, you know, other teams in, in the league that are constantly in the playoffs every single year. For them, it's more of a question of what do we do to get over the hump in the championship game so we can get to a Super Bowl. For us, it's what do we have to do to get over the hump to look like a good football team and actually make the playoffs. I'm tired of being a team that when they get to the playoffs is just happy to be here. I don't want to be that team anymore. I want to be like the Packers. I hate saying that, but I want to be like the Packers where we expect to go to the playoffs. It's a matter of now what do we do in the postseason this year? You know, do we make it out of the divisional round? Do we make it to the championship round? Do we make it to the Super Bowl? Those are the questions that Green Bay's trying to answer every year when we're trying to figure out how to win enough games just to make the tournament. That's our goal, is to make it to the tournament. Green Bay's talking about Super Bowls. Tampa Bay is talking about Super Bowls. The Rams, talking about Super Bowls. The Bears, we just want to make the postseason. So, yeah. It's a different standard in Chicago. And I want it back to where it was in the 80s with Ditka, when we were the team that was trying to figure out how to get over the hump in the preseason and get back to the Bowl, when we were expected to win the division and make the playoffs. And it was a matter of how we do in the playoffs. I want those days back. So we need a coach and a general manager that could get us there. We'll see who they settle on. And then we'll see if hindsight's 2020 and they should have picked, you know, X instead of Z. So anyway, guys, that's going to do it for the review. Let's go ahead and take a quick break. Give ear to our sponsors. Then we'll come back. With everybody's favorite segment, bear up, bear down. This episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by the Spotify Green Room. For Wednesday night, seven PM Central, eight o'clock Eastern, come through and talk to me live on Club Thirty Four Seven. All you need to do is download the Spotify Green Room app in the iOS App Store, create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the group. Follow me at Larry D E E to be notified when my room goes live. And again, every Wednesday night, 7 PM central, eight o'clock Eastern. You can join me on the Spotify green room for club 34, seven, come in, let's have a conversation. Let's talk bears. Let's talk whatever you want. But in order to do that, you got to download the Spotify green room, anywhere you get your apps, bear up and bear down for week number 18 for our beloved Chicago bears and their loss to the, Minnesota Vikings, thirty-one to seventeen, to cap off a six and eleven season, our first seventeen-game schedule um, ever. And uh, yeah, let's just go ahead and dive into it. Um, Bear up, Darno Mooney had an outstanding football game, sixteen targets, so he was definitely getting a lot of attention uh, in this football game, but 12 catches. So not like that one, uh, game he had a while back where he caught five passes for 125 yards, but he was targeted 15 times, uh, in the game. (laughs) Didn't have his drop problem that he'd been dealing with on and off this year. 12 catches, 126 yards, no touchdowns, obviously. And, um, but you know, an outstanding game for him. Uh, for him, even Cole Komet four catches for forty-eight yards, looking good. But uh, bear down, Allen Robinson, uh, number one. The uh, the after the pick six on the following drive for the Bears, Dalton threw another interception, and that pass was intended for Allen Robinson, who, like Dalton, after the pick six, just kind of stood there and watched it happen. Didn't really do anything to, you know, make a play on the ball or to make sure that the defender didn't get it. It got picked off. So bear down to Robinson for this game. And really, just for this season. $17.8 million on the franchise tag. I don't even know if he made 40 catches this year. I don't know if he cracked 400 yards. All I know is that he scored one touchdown. And it was on the opening drive week two against the Bengals. We haven't gotten shit from Robinson since then. He just, I don't know. And, you know, it probably had something to do with, with chemistry and the whole thing, like trickling down from Matt Nagy and his terrible decision-making uh, on handling the Justin Fields situation, that he didn't have the chemistry with Fields that he should have had, um, you know, going into Fields being a starter uh, and everything, or if it's just, you know, the lack of effort and Robinson not getting open. Or, I mean, I'm sure it's a little bit of everything there. But $17.8 is, you're pounding the table saying that you're a 20-plus million-a-year receiver, and this is the season you put together to go back out into the free agency market. 40-something catches, maybe 400 yards, one touchdown. And it's not like you were injured all season long or anything like that. Yeah, you missed a few games with the ankle injury and, uh, or hamstring, something I believe it was hamstring with him. Missed a couple of games to COVID, so I think he ended up missing like six games or something. But, uh, you know, it's and here's what's funny. I'd love to have him back. I'd love to see what he would do in Chicago now that the people that he probably cared about the least are gone in pace and naggy. But, uh, you know, he'll probably come crawling back to us after the market realizes the effort that he gave last year. I mean, somebody's going to have to if he gets any kind of money, it's going to be a potential thing. Like he has the potential. He, this is what he's done before. Imagine what he can do now kind of thing, motivated, change of scenery. Somebody's going to have to put a positive spin on it because what you're, you know, you're signing a guy that just got paid, got his 17.8 million and gave 40 catches for 400 yards and a touchdown. Is this the guy that we want? We're going to give him 18 million a season. Or whatever. I'd love to have him back if he gets his head straight about what he's worth and and, and what he should be making. He's still a young receiver. I think he's still only like 27. So he's still got some really good years left. And, uh, you know, I'd love to have him back. As long as he can get his head straight on what he's worth, I'd love to have Allen Robinson back. Pace and Nagy are gone. So whoever comes in, clean slate, you know, knows that what we have in Allen Robinson and and will use him properly because. I mean, if we learned anything about Nagy, he doesn't know how to use anybody. He's got a great eye for talent uh, and on all that kind of stuff, apparently, or at least that's what we're we're hearing. But as far as, like, how to use that talent or putting into practice using that talent, no clue, none whatsoever. So, anyway, bear up, Darnell Mooney, bear down, Allen Robinson. You should be better. Bear up, David Montgomery, 72 yards, uh, 3.6 average. On the day, no touchdowns because why would we give him the ball in the near the end near the goal line or anything like that? It's it's not like he's uh, you know hard to tackle uh, or anything. Oh wait, he is damn near impossible for the first guy to tackle him all by himself. Just he did what he could. He was a warrior for us, uh, even so much to the point that uh, he was he was called out by name by McCaskey in the uh, press conference today. He praised Roquan Smith and and Montgomery for their effort this year. I agree. But, uh, you know, Montgomery is a warrior. He deserved far better than he got from Nagy. And he'll go to his grave loving Matt Nagy because he and Ryan Pace took a chance. You know, we picked him late in the third round uh, in 2019 when it proves that he should have been uh, far higher Choice. Early second round, late first at worst for what what may what what Montgomery has been for the Bears. So hopefully the next general manager when he comes in, he wants to talk about David Montgomery uh with an extension. Uh that's because we can't let him get away. We can't. I know that running backs are kind of a dime a dozen, but Montgomery's better than I mean, look at how good Montgomery's been with what he's had to work with the first three years of his career. Imagine what he could do with someone who will use David Montgomery properly or will leave David Montgomery on the goddamn field so he can keep going. You know what I mean? How aggravating was that? Goddamn. Uh, Anyway, bear up, David Montgomery. You are a stud. You're a warrior. And you're ours, and I hope you stay ours for a long time. Uh, Bear down. Andy Dalton. It's not every day that you can complete 33 passes for 325 yards and get a bear down, but Mandy Dalton manages to do it. Um, some of the decisions he made on his 15 incompletions, because he, he made 33 uh, completions, but he also had 48 attempts, and those 15 incompletions were bad. And, and not all of those completions the, for the 33 yards were anything to write home about. You know, it's just there was one play, and this is why it's good riddance to Matt Nagy, good riddance to Bill Lazor, because it was third and 10, and we threw one of those stupid-ass screen passes or quick screens to Darno Mooney, who was two yards behind the line of scrimmage. So now we go from needing 10 yards to needing 12 to get a first down. Mooney maybe got three or four. That goes down as a completion for Andy Dalton. So, yeah. 325 yards, very misleading stat uh, for Andy Dalton. But uh, that's where he ended up. And more than anything, he just gets the, he held on to the ball way too long at times, which, you know what, I got two other bear downs for that. Number one, bear down to the offensive line. They were horrendous in this football game. Horrendous. It just, uh, Larry Borum did not play well. Uh, but at the same time, You know, bear down Matt Nagy. You didn't give the kid any help. When it was clear that he was struggling, there was never a tight end on his side to give a chip to help him out at all. It just, it was just... (sighs) But the overall offensive line was terrible. Seven sacks uh, in this football game. Um, You know, just, and, and bear down to our wide receiving core. Andy Dalton's back there. When our offensive line was blocking for him, he's back there. But nobody's getting open. He's not hanging on to the ball for his own entertainment. He's waiting for somebody to get open, and nobody was getting open. So he's got nobody to throw it to. The offensive line is finally blocking for him, and sometimes in those really entertaining plays where nobody got open and the offensive line didn't block, it was a disaster. Seven sacks in the ballgame on the offensive line, and I would give those to the wide receiving core as well because a lot of them were coverage sacks, and seven is a generous number because we probably should have had somewhere around 12 or 13 if Andy Dalton finally doesn't get rid of the football there at the end. We probably have double the amount of sacks for how many times he was under pressure running for his life, waiting for someone to get open, and it just didn't happen, so he had to bail and get rid of the football. But he held on to the ball five, six, seven seconds running around waiting for someone to get open, and it didn't happen. So bear down Dalton for the game he had. Bear down the offensive line. It was a terrible performance. Bear down to the wide receiving core for not getting open. I'm hoping these are all things that will change when we have a new offense in place. Because it just seems like for other football teams, you look at, and my dad and I were watching, like when we were looking at the, the, the late games and stuff like that, You look at this play. Actually, it was when we were watching the Saturday games. You look at this play, and you see this guy, and look how open he is. Look how open he is. And it's not because he just outran his defender or anything like that. The offensive coordinator put a play out there that schemed this guy to be so wide open that the quarterback would have no choice but to throw him the ball. You know? And how many times do you see that happening game in game out in the NFL and then the Bears do it and every catch our wide receivers make almost all of them anyway they've they've been plenty open a lot of times this year but you know more times than not there's somebody right there or they catch the football they're tackled immediately because the defenders right behind them you know that kind of thing they're open but they're NFL open they're not wide open like they are for other offenses who have like how the hell was Travis Kelsey that wide open? when the Broncos know that Travis Kelsey is on the field. Why didn't he have four guys draped all over him? Because Andy Reid and Eric Bienemy called a play that would have uh, you know, Travis Kelsey just wide open out there in the corner, and he was able to do what Travis Kelsey does after he catches the ball. You see that happen all over the league, all over the league. But Chicago gets out there, and you would think that football is the most difficult sport in the world. Well, we just got... Less intelligent guys calling the plays is all I can sum up. So, I mean, just, just a mess. Bad game for Manny Dalton. Worst game from the offensive line. Terrible game overall from the wide receiving core. Bear down to them all. Bear down to them all. Bear down to our secondary. Not a good repeat performance after the way the game was dominated on Monday Night Football. But you know what? And that's the thing. Eddie Jackson didn't play in that game. Deshaun Gibson didn't play in that game. Artie Burns didn't play in that game. Jalen Johnson didn't play in that game. They all were in the game on Sunday, and this is what we ended up with. So, I mean, Kirk Cousins didn't light it up. He only threw for 250 yards. But he completed 14 passes for 250 yards, and his top two receivers had five catches for over 100 yards and three catches for 100 yards. So we got carved up, and this all happened in the last three minutes of the second quarter and the fourth quarter. So basically, a half and some change is Dalton, or excuse me, Cousins throwing for 250 yards and three touchdowns on the Bears. And that secondary let it happen. That throw from Eddie Jackson, Bear down, Eddie Jackson. Uh, Just standing there while Justin Jefferson catches the touchdown pass tied at the game, unbelievable. Unbelievable. So I think that's all my Bear Downs. Bear down, Matt Nagy. I already mentioned that. Just, you went down swinging. You went down your way. I hope it felt good. I really do. Going out on your own terms. It's not as cool as you try to make it sound. You just, you look like an idiot out there. Uh, You know, going down swinging, doing your own thing. Good for you. But uh, yeah, he's also our least valuable bear. We didn't have a most valuable bear today. We had a least valuable bear, and it was Nagy. Anyway, bear up, Angelo Blackson. Really strong finish to the season. Really good game against the Vikings. You heard his name quite a bit. Bear up, Cairo Santos. <sighs> he's he's our kicker. We got a kicker. We don't have to worry about that. You know, so, yay. <laughs> but You know, Santos had... Uh, you know, had his two field goals he uh, in the ball game, so he he did what we asked of him. Can't do much more than that. And then finally, bear up to Robert Quinn that uh, finally got that half sack to uh, put it in. I was kind of hoping that he would get two more to get a nice round twenty on the season. You know, put some distance between him and, and Richard Dent's old record. But uh, you know, he broke the record in within the sixteen game schedule. So it was a legitimate record that he broke, even though Robert Quinn didn't play a full 16 games this year, I don't think. But even still, he broke the record in 16 games, so he was able to, you know, there's no asterisk that goes next to it. Finishes with 18 and a half, and, uh, you know, so that'll be his record for a while, and uh, we'll see what happens as far as going forward uh, from there. And that's it, guys. There you have it. Bear up and bear down to put a bow on week 18, to put a bow on the 2021 regular season. Uh, I really want to thank you guys for for hanging in there uh, with me. Five-game losing streak and mediocre play in the random times that we did actually end up winning a football game. Uh, We didn't really win a game of substance. I'd say really like the most meaningful game, the most meaningful win was the one against uh, the Raiders. You know, the defense dominated Derek Carr uh, and and shut down that offense. Uh, Justin Fields uh, played well, even though statistically it wasn't pretty. I think you only had like 111 yards in that game. But we ran the football well with with, that was our first game without David Montgomery. So Khalil Herbert and Damian Williams running the football uh, very well. Uh, We forced a turnover against the. Raiders. I mean, we dominated that game. I mean, I know it's got kind of an asterisk t- uh, towards it because it was the the like on the heels of that um, John Gruden email thing starting, so they they probably weren't you know all mentally uh, into it. But we went out there, we won twenty to nine. We we it was a it was a good looking win. We, we were three and two, and that was the best we were all season long because after that. We lost the five straight. We were never even close to 500 again after that. So that was our peak right there was that win, and it was on the road. It was on the road against the, uh, against the Raiders. So that was, like, that was the Bears peaking in week five. So sadly, that was it because our, our wins, two wins over the, or since then, actually, uh, a win over the Lions and then a win over the Seahawks and the Giants, just not impressive wins at all exciting wins especially the one over Seattle but uh, yeah we peaked week 5 against the Raiders that's sad so anyway guys come on back on Thursday myself and Lauren Cox we will recap 2021 we'll, uh, we'll talk about the second half of the year we will talk about the press conference from hell part 2 because we didn't think last you could get any worse than last year's boy were we wrong Boy, I'm going to love to talk about that. Boy, that was that was really something. So come on back on Thursday. We will put a bow on 2021, and then it's all about 2022 from there on in. So come on back Thursday for the year in review. And until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Bear Stock Underground.